0: That was really good, huh? That was really good. Wow. Again, I want to welcome everyone who's here this morning. I sure do thank you for being here, and this is an awesome privilege to get, be able to get up and speak for, in front of y'all. So uh, just, just thank you so much. I was going to actually tell a joke and a bunch of funny stuff, but after that song, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> but this morning, I'm wearing this suit as a protest. Okay, so I had to really squeeze into it and it's can't quite get it all buttoned up, but I think that's the fashion now, to wear all the stuff too tight. I don't care for the fashion, and so I'm wearing my 30-year-old suit. How about that? So I'm protesting, but I hope that it's a peaceful protest. So up on the screen here, we're going to be looking at a map. We're going to be talking about Jonah. So if you all could get to the book of Jonah you kind of start in Matthew and go about a quarter of an inch to the left. And Jonah's in there. He's kind of hard to find. He's after Obadiah and somewhere before Micah. So what happened here is you can see where Joppa is. That's where Jonah went to get on the boat. He was pretty close to there, but he goes ahead and he goes to get on a boat. And you see Nineveh up there to the right. He's supposed to go to the right. It's about 700 miles from where he was. Instead, see that red line there? He's heading the other way, isn't he? Kind of interesting stuff. Now, uh, Nineveh is about 60 miles wide. It takes about three days to walk across it. So I'm pretty sure that when Jonah finally got there and he approached it, that he was coming from the west and heading to the east when he went through it. So three days to walk across Nineveh, kind of a big town, somewhat 60 miles. So, I mean, that's like, what, from here to the Georgia? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good-sized town. So before I read it, we're going to read the entire book of Jonah this morning. I want you to hear the story. Just kind of sit back and listen to it and hear it for yourself, maybe for the first time, the whole thing right through without a break, if we can get through it. I want to set you up, though, with an approach that we're going to take to Jonah. I want you to Have some thoughts in your mind as we read it so that uh, you can kind of look for this sort of stuff inside of the story. And so the main thing that I want you to focus on is let's let go of things in our lives that need to go. So as I read through it, think of, is there some of that in me? Am I doing some of this Jonah stuff? And then um, I want you to hear, uh, a couple of weeks ago on August 9th, Pastor Dr. Mike He taught us a sermon titled, The Principles About Suffering. Some of what that message brought to us was that when we endure suffering, we're to have a correct attitude about it. And so I wanna hook on to that a little bit and I want you to think about what attitude do we have when we face things that God asks us to do. And so do we have a correct attitude when God asks us to do something Are we gonna do it or are we gonna do something else? And the other one, so there's two things, having a correct attitude about what to do when God asks us to do something. And the other one is when it's time to let go of something, are we gonna have a good attitude about letting go of it? Or are we gonna hang on to that thing? You might tell that I may have a certain attitude about eating a little too much. I don't wanna let go of that, I love eating. My wife is an excellent cook. Y'all, if you ever get invited over to our place to come and eat, I would highly suggest you do so. I eat like a king. Wow. So, you know, I drive a truck. And so I have a refrigerator in my truck with a freezer and all that. And Colleen will cook up food for me. And I look in the truck next to me. The guy's over there eating a sandwich or something. And I'm eating uh, some sort of, uh, um, what is that called? Shrimp scampi? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean it scallops the next night I'm eating all kinds of fun stuff and she cooks this stuff for me and I'm eating that so maybe I need to not have that fourth helping <laughs> so anyway let's turn to the book of Jonah. I'm not going to make you stand because it'll be too long but let's, let's get into this thing remember those things that we're going to be looking at this is Jonah one, 1 now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, which is near Spain, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was such a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call to to your God, perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And so he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So he's still waking up. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? for the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to be more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deepest closed the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted with me, within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. That great city and preach to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Proclaimed the fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery so jonah was very grateful for the plant but as morning dawned the next day god prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered and it happened when the sun arose that god prepared a vehement wind east wind and the sun beat on jonah's head so that he grew faint then he wished death for himself and said it's better for me to die than to live Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even unto death. But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern their right hand from their left? And much much livestock I like how it ends (laughs) Father in heaven thank you so much for Jonah and what he went through and for his life story that he can tell to us Father I just again thank you for this awesome privilege to be able to speak in front of these folks, Garrison Baptist Church Father I pray now that we've sung songs to you and all this and Father we welcome you to be here I pray you would send your Holy Spirit even now to be here. Be our teacher. Speak through me, Father, and have your way in this service. We give it all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I titled this one, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah! (laughs) It's it's like, uh, I I, I just wish it would have ended better, don't y'all? You know, like like maybe it would have changed a way or something. Oh, come on, man. So, (laughs) do you remember back... In the in the book of Judges, a man named Tola. No one remembers a guy named Tola. Come on, he made the book. He's he's in the Bible. He's uh, he's the son of Pua. I have it written down here. The son of Dodo. Anybody? Doesn't strike a nerve yet. Come on, y'all know that guy he's Tola. Lived in Shamir, a man of Isaacar, uh in the mountains of Ephraim. Giving you a lot of hints. You, Remember? <laughs> well, he judged Israel for 23 years. And he died and was buried in Shamir. And that's Judges chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. So this uh, Tola, he made the book. And his life story was told in two sentences. woo Doesn't that make you feel good? That's it. Two sentences. So where's all the drama? Where did it all go? Now, it, let me tell you this. If Jonah would have done exactly what God, would have, what God asked him to do. If he would have done it the first time, I'll read you the story, how long it would have been. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, go to Nineveh and cry out against it. So Jonah did as the Lord commanded. The city repented and was saved. End of story. Okay, you got it? That's how Jonah would have been. He wouldn't have gotten his whole book he would have been a couple of verses somewhere in one of the minor prophets somewhere, and that's it. We, we wouldn't have heard about Jonah ever again. I'd be saying to you, like, like this other guy, know, what was his name? Tola? Tola and Jonah, you know, they're like one and the same. You go, Who, who's that? Who's this Jonah guy? Oh, but we know him because he's got his own book. Why does he have his own book? You ever thought about that? I was like, when I first realized what, what, why he has his own book, I was amazed at it. It's because of drama. And what caused all the drama? And this is, this is an ugly topic, y'all. So kind of hang on. But this is uh, the first point. Um, and we will end on a positive note, I hope, if we can get there. Jonah's hatred for his enemy is the root cause for all this drama. Jonah was filled with hatred toward the people of Nineveh. They were his enemy. And this has caused all this drama. It's an ugly thing. I hate to say it, but the book of Jonah is about the events in somebody's life that unfold all around them when they are filled with hatred toward others. A lot of innocent people get caught up in it. Think of the guy who owns the boat. His boat gets practically destroyed. They have to throw over cargo, which most likely he owned. All because some, he gets, gets some guy to ride in his boat who's not following God and is filled with hatred. All this stuff happens to people all around Jonah and himself. <laughs> Let's look at verse uh, 2 of chapter 4. It says, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled Tarshish, uh, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know. That you are a gracious and merciful God, that you are slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. I gotta tell you, Jonah knows God personally. He has a very good relationship with God, just like we all should have. He knows Jonah, or he knows God through at least five of the attributes that you see on your screen. He he knows that he's gracious. He knows that he's merciful. He knows that he's slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and relents from doing harm. Each of us know God in certain ways about his facets, right? For example, I know him as my provider. He provides me with a, with a business. He provides me with, with success in that business. He provides us with a home, provides us with a lot of food. He provides us with with a Savior. He he is my Lord. He is my God. He is a forgiver of sin, even sin that he said in the Bible that he hates. He's gentle to me. He's very patient. How do you know him? So Jonah had a very personal relationship with God, and he had a good prayer life with him. Just that he had this other thing going on that causes the whole story to happen. Jonah, absolutely, without any mistakes at all, he absolutely knows if he goes there, God will save them. (laughs) And he doesn't want that to happen, does he? He wants Nineveh, he wants everyone there to die. He wants them all dead. What a drag. Hopefully none of us hate that much that we want everyone dead who has anything to do with our enemy. Poor Jonah's hatred is so strong, in fact, that rather than dealing with it and having that correct attitude toward making a change in his life, look at verse 3 in chapter 4 there. He says, Therefore, now, oh Lord, please take my life from me. It is better for me to die than to live. It's like, I'm not changing this. I'm going to go to my grave with this hatred. That's an ugly thing. Wow, he'd rather just die than make any changes in his life. Just take me now, shoot me now, I don't want to go there. You're not going to make me change. I want to hold on to this hatred. So what we got here is Jonah is a man living in World War III. Okay, on one side of the battle, he's got his beautiful relationship to God. And on the other, he's got this hatred toward his enemy. That he just won't let go. And it's all in the same body. And it doesn't belong together, does it? It doesn't belong together. And you can't live like that. You know, hatred doesn't, isn't going to be something that comes from God. He has this relationship. He has this excellent prayer life with God. And he just won't let go of it. He just won't let go of it. Now, he doesn't have the advantage that we do. But... We know what Jesus says about some of this hatred. And look at Matthew. I'm just going to show it up on the screen. Are you there, John? Um, Matthew 6, verse 24, the first part of it. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. I have a feeling Jonah knows about this, and he doesn't want to despise God, but he doesn't want to let go of his hatred. Now, what Jesus is talking about here, the other thing being riches or money or something that you hold valuable. And so in this case, Jonah has that hatred. He doesn't want to go of it. That's his valuable item, and and he doesn't want to let go of that. Look at this other verse that Jesus says at the Sermon of the Mount, chapter 5 in Matthew, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Jonah don't want to hear that, does he? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. By the way, that love that Jesus is talking about there is agape love. That's a whole other sermon. I can hear Jonah right now. If Jesus were to go there and tell him that, he'd be going, wow, God, doing that thing, you know, that's just no fun. That's no fun at all. Hating feels so good. It's so easy. I, I'm in control. I got power because I hate these people so bad. It's kind of funny. I wrote here in a, in a side note, just as I was writing this during my preparation, a telemarketer called. Ah, telemarketers. So I asked them where they were from, and they hung up on me. <laughs> On to verse 5, Jonah finishes his preaching assignment, leaves the city on the opposite end. So I, I figure he enters the west end, walks right through it three days or so later, and he's on the, on the east side now. He finishes his preaching assignment, leaves the city, and wants to watch the destruction of his enemy. He wants to see what God's going to do to Nineveh. It's like, I know they didn't do right. and You're going you're to get him. He's like, get him, daddy, get him. Uh, but God saves them through Jonah's preaching and they are not destroyed much to his dismay it's interesting there must have been other prophets at the time some of y'all who are Bible scholars you probably know that's true and God chooses Nineveh I mean God chooses Jonah God already knows that Jonah hates Nineveh's guts and uh, it's like hey Jonah I got an assignment for you and it's going to be fun You get to deal with something. (laughs) So God is doing a bunch of things all at once, isn't he? It's fun how our Lord works. He's doing ministry on his way to doing ministry. It's some fun stuff. Looking at verse 411, God takes pity on them. And why? Why does he take pity on these poor folks who are doing wrong all the time there in Nineveh? He says because they don't know their right hand from their left. They don't know God. They don't realize that they don't know anything. They're as blind as bats about life. Why is that? They don't have anyone to teach them about God. Look at Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When you're not understanding who God is and, and all that, you don't know anything And I'm looking at the mirror here. i got a mirror up here. You don't know nothing about God. You don't know nothing. You don't know nothing about nothing. That's too bad. And so I have this. This here's the Bible. Y'all, look. Isn't this fun? So if I'm not looking at life through this thing, if I go and look like that, I'm as blind as a bat. I don't see anything clearly. But when I look at life, and y'all and then I turn this thing and look at me through the Bible, I can see clearly. And y'all can see clearly when you look at things through the Bible. We'll go through this in a minute, what that might look like. So let's kind of bring this home a little bit. I know you don't want to be blind as bats, right? But there's a lot of folks out there who are blind as bats. They don't know what's going on because they're not in the Bible. They're not seeking God. They don't know who he is. And so they have no idea what reality is and what, what it's all about, what life is all about. So again, let's bring it home for a minute. I look at these different groups out there demonstrating. Now, I'm demonstrating, but I'm doing it peacefully, right? I look at some of these groups out there through my, my Bible. I see some of these groups who are protesting. And I see that it's said that they're doing it peacefully. And yet I see... Cars being burned, businesses being looted, I see people getting injured, I see people dying and being killed by these groups, and it's like they have the right to protest, right? In America, we have the right to protest and to do these things, and yet it doesn't feel right what some of it has led to. It doesn't feel right. And so I start looking through the situation through the Bible, and I realize that Something is wrong. Something is very wrong. So, in our story in the first chapter, if you remember back into the first chapter, we see some of this. For example, the ship owner, the ship being broken apart. Now, it didn't sink as far as we know, but it got messed up. And we see that the captain had to throw overboard freight. In those days... Most likely, the owner of the ship bought that freight. He owned it. And now, in order to save his own life, he has to throw it overboard. He's throwing money into the ocean, his own money. Meanwhile, his boat is getting broken up. So that means he's going to have to go into a port somewhere and fix it. And when you're not earning money as a businessman, you're losing money. So he's, he's suffering terribly because of Jonah's hatred. Isn't that funny how that works? All this calamity was happening to the captain, an innocent businessman, because of Jonah's hatred. Now, bringing it home, there was a Wendy's store over there in Georgia. Do you remember that, all you do? All of a sudden, a peaceful protest, which is actually a riot, breaks up, breaks out. And the owner of that Wendy's has his life disrupted. I don't know how he'll ever survive being closed for so long, because the expenses still go. All the stuff still happened. He's still got to pay for all that stuff. And what do you do about the people who used to work there? Oh, it's it's a miserable situation. And so when I see that business being disturbed and others being burned, when I look through my Bible, I see that is nothing, you guys, but pure venom-spitting, seething hatred. It's hatred from one group to another. Now, I'm not choosing sides here, but it is hatred. And we don't want to be part of that, do we? And so, let's bring it even closer to home. Now, I don't think that anybody in this church or this church itself is struggling with hatred. I certainly hope not. But we can still use the idea of what things are we holding on to that maybe we need to let go of. And so that's when you kind of get out your magnifying glass and you kind of look at yourself through and you look into your heart and look into yourself and say, okay, what is going on here? Daddy, are you telling me to change something? Am I okay or do I need to make some adjustments here? And then we want to have a good attitude about making those adjustments and doing what God asks us to do. We need to strengthen what needs to be strengthened and let go of things that are harmful to us and others because we know that if we're full of some of this rage and stuff, it could hurt other people that we don't want to hurt. It just happens according to what we read today in Jonah. Isn't that something? Let's move on to our last point this morning. I'm gonna change gears. Hopefully this will be a little more positive. I saw something else in Jonah that was interesting to me. I wanna ask you, how long do you think it would take to grow a fish not a whale. It's a fish. It's a fish. Not a whale. I I really love God. I am so impressed with him. How long do you think? Five years? Anybody? Five years to grow maybe a 20-footer? As long as these middle pews here, or maybe it'd have to be bigger than that. Maybe two of these together. Ten years? Fifteen? Twenty? Come on. Somebody raise up your hand up. Twenty. I hear twenty. Do I hear, I can turn into an auctioneer here. Let's say it took 20 years. I I love that. 20 years to grow a fish big enough to eat a man whole. That's pretty good size. Um, Think about it. God had to keep that fish. He started it when it was just a little minnow. He had to keep it away from all the other fish because he selected that little minnow to be the one that Jonah would be swallowed by. He had to help feed it and nurse it along, keep it away from the predators. Then as it got bigger, he had to keep it away from fishing lines, had to keep it away from the spear guys, he had to keep it away from the fishermen's nets, all that. He had to, and he had to make sure the fish was well fed so he'd grow big and strong for his duty that he was going to have someday. I love how God does that. He already knew a long time ago way before Jonah come come along that he was going to have to provide a way out for Jonah and uh, what what a neat thing he grew this fish for a special purpose and that was provision for Jonah, to give Jonah a ride to where he needed to be and this introduces our last point this morning and that is, if God can provide a way out for Jonah's mess he can do the same for each of us too even me, even me you do something wrong, God's got it figured out a long time ago. He's already got the way out planned for you. So in chapter 1, verse 15, let's, let's go there and read this real quick. Chapter 1, verse 15. It says, So they picked up Jonah and threw him in the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging so they just, uh, did I get that right? Yeah. So I can just see God sitting on his throne up in heaven. They go and throw his, his man into the ocean. I can just see God up there getting up off his throne and going, oh, I didn't see that coming. Now what am I going to do, right? Does God ever do that? Come on, y'all. D- does he ever do that? No! God was not then and is not now ever surprised. He knows everything. He is not surprised. So when they threw him overboard, he wasn't surprised about that. Didn't faze him in the slightest. God knew a long time ago that Jonah would goof up and would need a little help getting him back on track. And let's look at verse 17. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Boy, was that ever fun. Some of these songs y'all were singing this morning, you know, God is there in our darkness. I'm thinking poor Jonah down there in that fish. It couldn't have been very bright down in there. And oh wow, what a deal. God had this all figured out before Jonah even existed, I think. He had it all planned out. The crew would throw Jonah overboard at the exact time, at the exact place in the ocean. The fish would be all grown up and ready at the exact moment. God had him there at the exact time, at the exact moment, to swallow Jonah up. And that, my friends, is not a coincidence. That is God planning things out to the nth degree. The fish had to be big enough to accommodate Jonah's size. The planning was precise down to the second. Like I said, this is not a coincidence. Instead, it is the power of God. Now, if you want to believe it was a whale, that's still hard to do because God would have to get the whale there all at the right time and all that. It's still, I don't care how you look at it, that was a miracle. And that shows how carefully God has Jonah's plan, I mean, how Jonah's situation is all planned out. He has the same for us. When we goof up, has the same for the whole world. When they goof up, it's, it's amazing. God is so smart. <laughs> I want to show you a couple of quick words just so you know the difference. This is what I would call fun. Again, it's a fish. It's not a whale. Two entirely different words. And, you know, I kind of guessed that the story would be too believable if... God said there was a whale, because that's that makes sense, right? But no, it was a fish. Um, the word for fish used in Hebrew is, uh, now I'm not saying it southern. If I were in the west coast, I'd still say dog. <laughs> so it's it's like a dog. Um, that's what swallowed Jonah, was a dog. Now the word tantine is the uh, word that is used for Hebrew to describe a whale, tantine. So those don't sound alike, do they? They're totally different words. And then the word in Greek, because later Jesus would say that Jonah was in the belly of a whale, according to the whatever translation you read, or in some other translations will say that he was in the belly of a fish. Um, So let's look at those words. So in the Greek, which is the New Testament, um, the whale is called a katos. And a fish is a, there's two different words, but I just picked this one as a ichthus. <laughs> ichthus sounds like Klingon, huh? So, you know, if, if you're going to go and tell your mom, hey, I'm going to go ichthusing, she'll say, well, catch a katos. You can have your friends help you toss it in the boat, okay? So uh, I want to tell you, though, that the Greek word here for um, whale, this uh, ketos, which Jesus used Means a sea monster it could mean a whale and it also means a huge fish so it's all the same word and it just meant something that was a great big old fish or a great big old whale and um, it's sort of like when I go to the, uh, the restaurant and order a Coke um, you know I'll order a Coke now and then um, sometimes they'll bring me a Coca-Cola and that's what I'm thinking and other times they'll bring me a Pepsi it's still, it doesn't matter that much still the same thing sort of but I was hoping for a coke so Jesus uses this word ketos not ich dus. <laughs> but it still means the same thing that we've been talking about in Jonah so we're not uh, we're not parting from the ways so here's, here's some good news that I want to provide that I want to tell you if God can provide a way out for Jonah's mess he can do the same for us too you and me and everyone else God already knows when we're going to foul up, and he already has the way prepared for us to get out of it. And in a way, this would provide boldness in our prayers and in our activity. We can ask God to show us the way, and he'll do that, we hope, and we think, and we can start going boldly in the direction that he wants us to go. And we know that if we goof up, he's got our way out. One thing about Jonah that I have to give him credit for is he did not do everything wrong. When he realized that he was in trouble, okay, he's in the fish, he doesn't know if this is going to be his end or not. He's down there trying to breathe and all of a sudden he's finding out that he's breathing and he's alive and everything's going just fine. Um, He realizes, though, that he's still in big trouble. And what does Jonah do? He starts to pray to God And he starts to praise God from inside. That's all what chapter 2 is. The whole thing is Jonah actually praising God from inside of this fish. When we realize that we are in trouble, I would take Jonah's cue and do the same thing and start praying to God and praising God. Even if it doesn't feel good at the time, we can do it. And this, um, it was right after that, when Jonah was praising God, that God caused the fish to take him to dry ground and got him to where he needed to be I would say the same can happen for us we get off the track a little bit we praise God and pray to him and bring him into the deal he'll provide us a way out and get us back to where we're supposed to be that is just a cool thing that is a cool thing I hope you guys are excited about that I want to close with this What God has already done for everybody in the world, he has provided a way out from the predicament that our sin has put us in. Like Jonah, God wants us to go one way and many of us go the opposite way. God wants for us to come into a relationship with him through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the way and the truth and no one comes to the Father. That means you don't get to heaven and you don't get prayers through if they're not through the name of Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have anything. And that will be the first and only prayer that God will hear from you if you're not saved. And like the fish that Jonah that put Jonah back on track, Jesus is God's provision to get us out of the mess we're in. You might say Jesus is the big fish. He's the big dog, okay? And he gets us on the track that we need to be on, and that is the one going to heaven. If you're not heaven-bound, you're in a big mess. Everybody, your friends, if they're not heaven-bound, they're in a big mess. And only the big dog is going to get you out of that mess and having a relationship with him. The way out of the mess, of course, is to pray and to praise God isn't that cool the only way out of the mess you're in is to pray and I can share with you a prayer that will get you out of that mess and get you onto the right thing and after that then all your prayers start to be heard so it's pretty interesting I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to uh, that prayer I think we'll have an invitation hymn or are we not did everybody leave what's that well um, we could if you want to I just thought it was kind of a deal (laughs) while they're getting set here's a prayer that will be answered with a yes every single time You come to the Lord Jesus. You don't know who he is yet. You know you're in a mess because of sin. You know you're not heaven bound. You can say something like this to Jesus. And we can, if you want to just close your eyes and say this to, to Jesus right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn my sins, turn from my sins and invite you come into my heart and my life I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior and this is in the name of Jesus Amen someone prayed that prayer for the first time what you ought to do is get out of your seat come up here and talk to me while we're singing this song if you're looking for a church to come to and call your home this is a hot rod church I'd come here and fire you I'd just get out of your seat come on up here and say hey I want to be a part of this thing Maybe you don't know him as Lord. You might know him as Savior, but you don't know him as Lord. That's a whole different deal. And you want to make him the Lord of your life. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Come on up and tell me about it while we sing this song. Just one verse.